I love movies. Gosh, I love movies. Welcome to the Grindhouse Podcast. Today's episode, we'll be interviewing Damon from the Slasher app. I know I've mentioned the app several times before and been trying to get together with Damon for a little bit now to, to sit down and talk about some of his inspiration for creating the app, this really amazing online tool that is in very many ways the, a virtual horror convention at your fingertips every single day. But before we get into that, I got to do a little bit of house cleaning. You know, the Grindhouse Podcast is for me... Uh, it, it's a, it's something I do out of a matter of passion and love, and you guys seem to enjoy it. And it, you know, it's not my day job, and it, it's not Matt's day job, and it's something that we do because ultimately, it's 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 fun. And I always told myself, once it stops being fun, you got to make a change. So Matt will no longer be a co-host of the Grindhouse Podcast. It is ultimately my decision to uh, quote him. He's been kicked out the house. And there's a lot that goes into doing this podcast. And I think that we've had a really fun run as a, as a two person team, but something has to change. And so I'm really excited for the new direction of this show. I think that, uh, starting with this one, we'll be interviewing Damon. He has made this incredible app called slasher. It is your one-stop shop for all things horror. And I think that we'll do a sort of a a fluid format. Some days I'll have guest hosts on that will operate much in the same way that say Jude has done in the past when he's subbed in. And sometimes we'll be doing interviews and we'll be mixing it up. And I think that uh, adding this new dynamic is going to keep things fresh. Hopefully it will be even more fun for you guys. I'm very excited about it. And I hope you guys will stick with me and the Grindhouse podcast and carrying on in this new direction. So, I mentioned today that we're interviewing Damon from the Slash Rap. You know, when you think of horror movies, there doesn't seem to be a word associated more with horror than slasher, at least as far as genre is concerned. Most notably, maybe a Halloween being the a slasher film that really established the rules of what a slasher is. I mean, think about so many aspects of all the different genres of horror now, from the final girl, the unkillable monster... The idea that the monster is, in fact, not supernatural, but merely evil. You know, so much of the inspiration that made the most successful slashers of the late 70s and the 80s was inspiration from real-life horrors. Real-life serial killers like a Ted Bundy or Ed Gein. These are the these real-life dangerous, evil people, coupled with that Reaganistic just-say-no morality that was, unfortunately, taking over the land. You know, the promise of greed is good, just say no to drugs, sex, everything that essentially what Reagan and, and his cronies was a race. The ideas that uh, that pleasure could be found within oneself and instead replace it with things like commercialism and materialism. It was the slasher genre, I feel, that was able to sort of, pardon the pun, cut through that nonsense and provide us some scares and some satire to the real life horrors that were going on around us between the Republican Reagan regime and the serial killer. So it's only apt that the name of this app that is cutting through the bullshit 
that you oftentimes find on Twitter and other communities where it's a lot of infighting, it's appropriate that the Slasher app is cutting through all that bullshit to provide something really unique and and really fill a need I in in not only the horror community but in all communities, which is a safe place for people to come and just have a good time. You know, so much of what makes a good slasher film is the enjoyability aspect of it, right? Doesn't mean it doesn't say anything. It doesn't mean it doesn't have a, a underlying subliminal message or a political statement. Th- those things existed, of course, but they're enjoyable. We watch Freddy Krueger because it's enjoyable. We watch Friday the 13th because they're kick-ass films. And this is a kick-ass app. So if you will, join me as I interview Damon from the Slasher app, and we get to learn a little bit more about his inspiration for the app, some of the uh, things he's learned over the last year of running it basically by himself, and what he hopes to accomplish from it. So thank you guys. Stick with us. And here is my interview with Damon from the Slasher app. Well, Damon, welcome to the Grindhouse podcast. Appreciate you coming on. Um, It's kind of a special time for you. Uh, For those who might not know, I know we've mentioned on the podcast before, you, Damon, run the Slasher app, and you guys just hit your one-year anniversary of being available. Yes. Yeah, we hit um, one year online as of May 31st. That's pretty cool. So what, uh, what's your background? Do you, do, you, do you have a background in developing apps or sort of what led you to creating this? Well, not so much in apps, but, you know, I have a history of developing um, some pretty sizable websites and stuff like that. You know, I, I was doing that back in like the late 90s. I started in like 96. Um, I was selling like computers and custom computers and parts and all that kind of stuff over the internet, like pretty much everyone else was at the time. <laughs> right. Um, and then I switched to consumer electronics and just built this massive friggin' website. Um, and it was when Amazon was really just coming around at that point as well. Um, you know, eBay had just come out. Um, you know, there was a whole lot of stuff just starting at that particular time. And um, it was, it was, it was interesting for sure to see everything that was coming around and how creative people were getting with things. But um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I started out. And then, you know, I learned about um, user interfaces and user experience um, by having a company that does um, like home AV stuff, like home theaters and that sort of thing. Oh yeah. I, uh, I worked for a couple of years for a manufacturer between my businesses and I was basically doing like high level support for uh, universal remote control systems. Mm. So, you know, I had to make sure that I knew how to make things as simple as possible for people because, you know, there are people out there that, you know, are, are older that are in their seventies, eighties that are trying to use these things. So you have to make it really easy for people. So, yeah. you know, the, the, that combination of stuff is really how I got my background in, I guess, technology and usability and stuff. And, um, you know, just, uh, you know, you, you kind of sometimes still have to figure things out as you go when you're, when you're new to something like apps and things like that. 
but uh, but yeah, I mean, thankfully, I, I have that background, and it's it's been really helpful. Well, it's funny that you mentioned sort of the turn of the late '90s when the internet was starting to become more widely used, and everyone was getting those AOL discs, and like you mentioned, sites like eBay and Amazon uh, mm-hmm. just changing the way that we did commerce, the way we interacted with one another, and I would say roughly, you know. 20 years later, we're kind of by, by force in, a, in a, almost a similar sort of landscape where, you know, this interview is being done over a Zoom. Um, mm. Pretty much everyone's work is being done remotely now. And the way that we're interacting socially is shifting with the technology that's available to us. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Like every time I turn around, I think to myself, you know, and, and, and not that I was a huge fan of it, but I'll turn around and go to myself, wow, this is like what they did in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, remember the StarTac Motorola phones? Yeah. Like, that was basically what they had in Star Trek. And now, you know, we're, we're doing all these video chats, so it's like the Jetsons and Star Trek and all that kind of stuff. So all that sci-fi stuff back from, you know, the earlier days of sci-fi are really kind of starting to come true. And it's, it's both comforting and scary at the same time. Well, it's crazy because you, you look at the, the visionaries like a Gene Rodberry or Philip K. Dick who imagined, who looked at where technology was going and then imagined where it might be, you know, 40, 50, 60 years down the line. Yeah. It almost becomes um, self-serving though in the way that like, or self-fulfilling rather, in that people who were influenced by Star Trek mm-hmm. and um, by the Philip K., uh, Philip K. Dick books, they're now developing technology in a way that was explained to them growing up, right? So it's like yeah. they imagined what is now an iPad in Star Trek episodes. Well, probably the manufacturers of, of Apple were influenced by those very episodes. And yeah. so it's sort of there's like this real synchronicity between what's happening in real life and what's kind of how it both influences and is simultaneously influenced by art. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And it, it's really fascinating. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for, you know, the, that cool Jetsons microwave where you just like, <laughs> like a, something in there and all of a sudden like this giant meal comes out. <laughs> it's, it's bound to happen at some, well, you know, they have those, um, it's not the same, it's not the same technology, but you know, they have those, those ready to eat meals that you can order to your house that you just basically put in the oven. You yeah, know? Yeah. So yeah. we're getting there. We're close. We're <laughs> close to that. Um, but it's, it's funny in talking about the way we're changing our social interaction with one another and yeah. how we, and, and what I've seen um, is a flood to the internet to connect. We are in fact, even those of us who like to pretend that we're kind of misanthropic, we're right. pretty social beings. And one of the things that I like about your app is that you sort of market it as uh, a 24-7 online horror fest, you know, or a horror mm-hmm. convention at your fingertips. Yeah. And right now, where, where the you know, conventional conventions are not able to occur because of social distancing and everything else, right. it's, it's kind of like you're, that void is being filled by the app that you created. Yeah, I mean – you know, for, for better or worse, the, the timing happens to work. I mean, I, I, I would like to think it would have worked anyway, but yeah, I mean, this definitely made a difference in the whole thing. Um, 
you know, just kind of by force, you know, of, of something we just sort of had to do, you know, and it, it came down to, well, where do you want to be online? Right. Um, so, and, and that's why it's really important to me to maintain things the way that I do, because, you know, if we're going to do this, we need to enjoy it. You know, it, if this is really something that, that should be fun for, for all of us and should be something that we can do without worrying about all the other things that you'd find in the mainstream, you know, we, we get enough of that as it is. We've been marginalized enough. So I think that we really need to take it, spin it 180 and just enjoy ourselves without those concerns. Well, and I, I have always found for myself at an early age that the, the horror community was really unique mm-hmm. in so much so that like in music, you always had these sort of subgroups, right? In metal or goth or punk, you always, yep. you could always form identity and community within right. these scenes. But for movies, I mean, I guess you could say science fiction, right? Trekkies, we referenced sure. them earlier. But for but horror in the world of cinema seems to provide that safe, that same safe haven for people who maybe don't quite fit in with everything else. Maybe who might yeah. not be as excited about seeing 50 Marvel movies in the span of 10 years and are looking for something else, uh, maybe something that a, a lot of other people don't understand and finding community within uh, sort of a, a shared interest. Yeah, absolutely. The people within this community um, who you know enjoy the horror genre in general are really some of the the nicest, kindest, most authentic people I've ever met. And I think it's a good thing. And I'm really trying to foster that and say, you know what, just be yourself without having to think about anything. You know, if, if you're if you're cool and be cool to other people, then fantastic. Let's all have fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that to me, when I was coming up, you know, I don't know what your, your background for in terms of music was, but like I grew up kind of on the punk rock scene, the hardcore yeah, yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was just talking to one of my friends who was a, my bandmate, you know, again, nearly 20 years ago now, 19, 18 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were like in a, we were like a straight edge vegan hardcore band playing mm-hmm. with crust punks, um, playing with pop punkers, mm-hmm. playing in a uh, deli by day under 18 or, or all ages venue at night, you know, yeah. and, and everyone got along, you know, as long as you were cool, yes, everyone got along. And if you weren't cool, people gave, gave you the opportunity to get cool or get out. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. That's true. I mean, I pretty much came up on, well, once, once I sort of <laughs> had, had the ability to select my own taste in music, right. I just kind of gravitated towards like, the metal and hard rock and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, once I got out of, um, out of high school, it, it just sort of seemed like, yeah, this was, this was the scene, you know, like you said, everyone was, was generally cool. And if you weren't, you know, like you said, get cool or get out. Um, because yeah, a lot of people just wouldn't, wouldn't want to hang around with, with anyone who was just fucking up too much. Because then it sort of brought everyone else down, and that just doesn't work. Yeah, my um, my dad obviously of a different generation, kind of you you know the movie Days and Confused. Yeah, yeah. So that's set in a small town in Texas, and that basically is my dad's teen years. 
you know, he, every time we watch that movie together, it's like, he always, he's, he'll tell me like, that's exactly what it, like it was like for him, a lot less weed and more beer. But, right. but other than that, that was his, he could have been in that group. Um, yeah. And, and the only, the only real issue he has with that movie is the fight scene at the party. Because he says exactly what you just said. Nobody would ever allow a fight to break out because it brings down everyone's high. Right. So right. the moment anyone even get rowdy, like you wouldn't even get that far to where it was fisticuffs. You know, it would always be mm-hmm. broken up and mellowed and everyone goes back to their sort of mellow scene. And, and you're right. And it's so rare online to find that because, you know, I spend way too much time on Twitter in spite of myself. <laughs> and it's a dumpster fire. I know. And, and, and lately, within the last, you know, I don't know, few weeks for sure, mm-hmm. the horror community in general, it's like, it's like an all-out war. You know, it's yeah. like every day there's a new person and there's a new controversy. It's tough. It's yeah. really tough to go and be a part of that community mm-hmm. and feel like you're having a good time. And not to say that some of these things aren't important, yeah. but it's like every day it's like one party <clears> – <throat> or another party is like at each other's throats and slasher to me never seems to have that issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone's generally good about sort of handling their own business, which is really the way it should be. You know, your, your friends are your choice, your timeline, what you see on it is your choice. So you're completely capable of exercising that choice and tailoring it to what you want. If you don't like what somebody's saying, well then unfriend them and you can do that. So that way it doesn't show up in your timeline anymore. Um, you know, obviously if they're not, you know, abiding by the community standards or whatever that has to be taken care of. But aside from that, the majority of people have been absolutely incredible and people are just doing a fantastic job of just doing what they need to do and having fun. And that's really what it's about. But, um, but, you know, it, it's, it just kind of comes down to that for the most part, is that as long as people are aware of the capabilities, then it's, it's up to them to make it what they want. And, and the Slasher app actually offers way more than just, say, like a, a horror version of Instagram. I mean, there is, um, uh, you know, I think you just did a post today, in fact, about getting horror news like in your timeline to keep you up to date with the going ons in the horror world. Um, you have a, there's a dating component to it as well, right? Yeah. So yeah. like, what are some of the options that you've built into this? And, and I guess take us through sort of your thought. Like I know obviously you have a background in, in, um, in computers and consumers and things of that nature, but mm-hmm. where do you go from that to deciding you're going to start your own app? It's going to be horror focused. And it's going to be this, this safe haven, this alternative to, say, Twitter, where people mm-hmm. who have a shared interest can come together and seemingly, from an outsider's perspective, do so uh, harmoniously. Sure, sure. So um, it really did start when I started getting very heavily into the convention scene, um, which in the Northeast is pretty abundant, thankfully. So, you know, I, I started going to to them and would, would seek them out and sort of say, okay, you know, I'm friends with some of the vendors. Hey guys, where are you going next? What's the next one around here? What's happening? So I, I generally find out through the grapevine that way, but sometimes even they didn't find out. So the trick was 
to figure out when the conventions were without, you know, spending an incredible amount of time, like seeking them out specifically. So basically that was a problem I needed to solve. How do I figure out when the conventions are, where they are and plan to go to them accordingly? So I, I kind of took it upon myself to create this shared calendar using this app called uh, cozy or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, I went and found every horror convention in the country and some in Canada and Mexico, some comic cons, tattoo cons that were going on as well. And I just put them all into this calendar. It took me about a week to put everything together. So, you know, I did that and shared it with a bunch of people and said, Hey, you know, if you want access to this, take a look and then you could plan what you want to go to and, and do what you need to do. And that was, you know, that, that helps me a ton because then I realized, okay, I've got all these things now. What am I going to do? So, you know, I, I would make my plan to go to wherever I was going to go. And then as I'm going to the conventions, I love the vendor rooms that that's like my favorite part of the whole thing. Right. Right. Um, you know, I'm not really a huge autograph collector. I certainly appreciate them and I'd like to get them sometimes from certain people, but you know, that necessarily wasn't my big reason for going. My big reason is, is like all the cool shit that the vendors would have. Like sometimes people would make their own stuff or like, you know, some kind of artwork or whatever. And I would think that kind of stuff is really cool or, or find, you know, DVDs and Blu-rays that are just impossible to get anywhere else. So, you know, as I'm talking to all these people and getting to know them and, you know, learn like what their experiences are like. I kept hearing the same things over and over and over again. And I was like, you know what? Um, after thinking about it, I saw all these different things that were occurring that could actually be fixed um, with essentially what I'm doing. Because really what it boiled down to is the whole community needed a way to kind of get interconnected. Right. And you know, trying to figure that out was, was really, was a task. That's for sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that was really the, the key is, is just listening to people and understanding what they're going through and what they need and figuring out ways to build it for them. So that way it would actually make sense and work. Um, right you know, whether, whether it works or not, I, I couldn't really tell you from, from day one till, you know, whenever, but, um, you know, but, but I, I do understand what, what the needs are. And these are all things I'm working really hard to, to try and meet for everyone. Well, one of the things that I'm experiencing as I creep further and further into middle age <laughs> is sort of bemoaning the things that don't seem to be uh, relevant to now. Um, not necessarily that they, they, they don't have a place still, but they just don't seem to exist, or at least on the same ways. You know, there used to be the guy who worked at Blockbuster mm -hmm. who, who would turn you on to the cool movies, you know? Oh, yeah. There used to be the DJ that would occasionally slip in a punk rock song, you know, <laughs> Pennywise or NoFX and, 
that's yep. how you get turned on to it. Or the, you know, um, on my other, I have because I have two podcasts. We were just talking about, you know, the, how we got into certain music, right? Yeah. And, you know, I got into the Misfits when I was in late in my teens. Mm-hmm. And then by way of Misfits, I got into AFI. And by way of AFI, I got into a whole ton of like goth bands based nice. purely on the, the t-shirt that the singer would wear. <laughs> and, and that was used to be kind of how you found things out. It's true. And then over time, uh, around the same time that you're talking about where like technology boomed and we got Napster and we got LimeWire and all those other sort of sharing sites. And in the last 20 years, it's just a flood of information. There's just so much information. Like if right. we, uh, if, if we used to have uh, the dark ages, we're now in the light ages where there's just too much information and it's kind of hard to cut through it all. Yeah. And, and, and those people that used to be able to turn you on to things mm-hmm. don't necessarily exist anymore, right? There's no more blockbusters. All the radio stations are pre-programmed. Yeah. Um, so in a lot of ways, I feel like you and this app are kind of providing a throwback service wherein you're at least um, – correlating everything that one might be interested in in the realm of horror movies into one place so that you can kind of cut through all the, you know, pages upon pages of Google searches and kind of cut through all that noise and get to the information that's actually interesting to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons I put in the, um, the movie database because, you know, yeah, there's, um, Oh, what the hell do you call it? Oh my God. What's, what's that movie app? Um, Letterboxd. Oh yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's Letterboxd that's out there, but I thought to myself, you know what, if, if we're going to do this, then let's make it a resource also. So, you know, now you could go and check that whole mainstream movie section. There's like over 10,000 movies in there that you can learn about and you can watch the trailers if they have them. You could read the synopsis. You could, chat about them, give them ratings, save them to your lists, all that good stuff. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things that might be underrated in the app Mm -hmm. because it's a huge, huge resource because really the majority of us, and I'm not saying all of us, but the majority of us are movie fans, you know? Um, So having that in there, creates a lot of opportunity for people to learn about new things. And that's why I put the, um, you know, the watched movie lists in people's profiles, because let's say, you know, you're friends with somebody and you, you chat about different movies and you seem to be on the same page. Well, you could just go through their watched movies and see like, you know, what they thought or whatever. And, um, you know, that's that connection that you're talking about. So instead of seeing, like, you know, that, that singer with that, that other band's shirt on, it's kind of like doing it. You know, it's kind of the same thing, but in this fashion, you know what I mean? Absolutely. That, this is actually a really cool function because it allows you to get away from writers who all think they're Hunter S. Thompson and they think every story is about them and their mm-hmm. place in the world. And it actually gets down to fans talking yes. about what they liked or what they did not like about a movie. And like you said, if they if you have a shared interest with them, if nine times out of ten your your taste align, mm-hmm. then that's a way better resource than writing for you know some you know reading a review of a website that spends ninety percent of the article not talking about the contents 
and the context of the movie. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, and I don't think it's isolated necessarily to to horror. Unfortunately, you know, everybody wants to be Simon Cowell or Gordon Ramsay, you yeah. know, and it's like, look, they exist already. Let them do their thing, and if they want to rip shit apart, fine. But at least Gordon Ramsay gives a fix at the end, right? You know, he doesn't just tear shit apart and and just talk smack and nothing else. He actually has a purpose. And I, I appreciate that kind of thing. And I think if, if more people wrote that way, and I'm not singling anybody out whatsoever, I'm just speaking in general. Yeah. Um, I think if more people were to write that way and say, you know, it would have been cool if maybe they did this or maybe they did that, this might've made it better or more interesting or more exciting or whatever. Um, I think being constructive is a much more powerful tool than you know, ripping something apart. Any That's, asshole can rip something apart. Anybody. Yeah. There's a, um, man, I wish I saved this quote. I'll have to find it and share it with you. There's a, there's a quote that details exactly how unimaginative destroying someone else's creativity is. Right. Uh, that for most people, that is the extent of their creativity is only to tear things down. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. It really is. And then that's one of the things I'm trying to sort of help with, with the app is, is sort of reinforcing um, creativity, you know, because like you mentioned before, Napster, when that came out, that changed everything and it could have changed things for the better, but it didn't. Um, what it did was it created a whole economy of valueless media. And what I mean by that is, you know, music, it used to be, you'd go to a, a record store or whatever, you know, you'd go to tower records, you'd go to like wherever, um, and you'd pay like 15 bucks or whatever, 20 bucks, 10 bucks for a CD. Cool. That has value. Okay. As a result, the record company got paid. The artist got paid. The artist was able to tour. They were able to put on a huge, awesome spectacle show. Um, and we don't have that anymore. Why? Because people are not willing to fucking pay for anything anymore because of companies like Napster, because of companies like Spotify, because of fucking Amazon Prime. Now, look, they're, they're useful in their ways. But the problem is, is that I think way too many artists rely on being on Spotify or being on Amazon Prime as a quote-unquote level of credibility. Fuck that. You don't need to be on Amazon Prime to have credibility. You need to make good shit. Yeah. And, you know, making a quality product at the end of the day is what it's all about. Now, if you're willing to give that away for free, that's fine. But if you want to do this for a fucking living and be able to do what you love for the rest of your life, then it's time to stop giving your shit away for nothing and letting people say that it has no fucking value because it does. Yeah. That was a, uh, that was a big lesson for me. You know, I've been doing film for nearly 12 years now, I think. Mm -hmm. And I would say I was, I've only been financially stable in about half of that. And yeah. part of that has been because you know, you're, you're, I, I, you know, I switched gears. I was in retail management for a long time. And then mm -hmm. it wasn't until my like late, mid, late twenties that I decided to transition to film. So I started from scratch and you gotta, you do have to sort of earn your keep and, and learn your craft. But sure. what I realized is 
as an as as someone who is always kind of drawn towards helping everyone else out, mm-hmm. I too often said like, "Oh, you have a script? I'll take a look at it." Oh, you need you have a project you're trying to do? I'll do a budget for it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very you know it's it for me to do a schedule and a budget properly takes me days, yeah, of hours of work, right? right? And which is not to say I still wouldn't help someone out here and there, but as artists, as people who are lucky enough to make a living off their art, right? Learning your value, not as far as what the marketplace tells you, but what your heart tells you yes. is a game changer. That's the difference between people who live off the art and people who do art on the side to me. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's really all I'm saying is, you know, place value in your own work. And too many people are expecting somebody else to place value in it. You know, just because Amazon is, is using that to fuel, uh, you know, as fuel for content for their viewers. Well, what are you getting out of it? You know how much you get out of it, right? you know? So really like pennies per, per view is, is absolutely absurd. I mean, you might as well, put your Blu-ray on the shelf and say, here, five cents. Yeah. That, that doesn't actually, work. Would actually probably be easier. Well, you yeah, know? that's true. And I mean, you know, I think really people just need to understand that the only way anyone else is going to place value on them is if they place value in themselves. That's really, really important. Um, it's okay to say no to, to somebody who's offering you for some sort of imaginary credibility, you know, credibility comes in quality. It comes in getting out there, pounding the fucking pavement and doing the work. That's, that's how it happens. Some people get really, really lucky. You know, some people get super, super lucky, have the right connections or meet the right people. And it works out much faster and more easily. And that's great. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, do you want all that hard work to have zero value? Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and all art takes time, if nothing else, not yeah. to mention materials, but just time sure. and passion. And every artist knows how difficult it is facing that blank page or, you know, that blank slab of marble or whatever your craft is. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I really appreciate the fact that you're, that the Slasher app really provides a platform for, for artists to showcase their wares in, yeah. uh, in an environment that again, sort of, it, it's, it's like you said, the vendor, the marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. You go to these horror conventions. Um, for me coming from Texas, you know, I used to go to Texas Frightmare pretty nice. regularly mm-hmm. and sure, you know, I got to meet, meet Elvira and, and, you know, Bill Mosley and people like that, but mm-hmm. you're right. It's when you walk up and down the aisles and you see someone's indie film that you're saying, yeah, you know, I'll give you 10 bucks to, check out your flick or like, um, you know, people's art. I've, I've gotten lots of art from there before, you know, mm-hmm. people doing oh, yeah. prints and what have you. And mm-hmm. it's really an opportunity for these artists to not only put their, put their, their skills out on display, but also to do it amongst people who in theory, I would say at least the vast majority really appreciate the content of it and the art and the, and the time that's spent behind it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's important because you know, when, when you look at the bigger picture of things, if as, as a, as a fan, you know, I want to see more good content. I want to see more movies. I want to see 
you know, writers and directors and actors be able to improve their skills and, and makes, you know, make their way to the point where they're very, very happy with where they are. Um, and it's hard to get there when you don't have the money, you don't have the budget, you don't have the resources because you're giving your shit away for free. So it, it's, it's cyclical, you know, it's, you know, you make, you, you get money from, you know, an investor, you make something, you put it out there and, you know, throw it out online. It makes nothing. So you've really lost. Um, yeah. All you, all you've accomplished is making something and sort of, it, it's kind of like being in a hamster wheel, you know, yeah. you're running in place. Yeah. Now, and, okay. No, I mean, and, and yeah, you can improve, but is, is this something, is, is your ability to create a livelihood improving with that? You know, and I think that's important because if it is, and, and you make money on one movie, okay, you could put that into your second one. You make more money on the second movie, so you have enough money to, you know, put a little in your pocket and make a third one, and so on and so forth. That's the way it, it should work. I mean, that's the yeah. way business works. And making films is not really much different if you want to do that as a career. If you want to do it just for fun and, and for the passion, that's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Put it out there. Give it away to anybody who will watch. That's totally cool. But if you want to make this your livelihood, you know, it's really critical that you take your, your future into your own hands and do with it what you see fit, not what other people tell you is the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And and there is value, not just as an artist, but just in life to to figure out and, and do thy own will, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. in order to be, to find contentment in life. And, exactly. and as just a matter of like inside baseball, like even when I started, mm -hmm. you know, in earnest, like you used to be able to make an indie film. If you could make a film under a million bucks, Right. Right. Let's just take a, let's say 900 K. Mm -hmm. If you were to do 900 K used to be that sort of magic, like micro budget, you know, level where you would get like, you would aim to get like 300 K from foreign. Mm -hmm. And then um, you would shoot in an incentive state, which gives you like, let's say Georgia, which would give you 30% back. So now right. that's another 300 K. And then uh, you only really had to get, you would hope to sell your domestic for, close to that and then your 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 overall risk was relatively low and right. uh there's a there's a script that my company is trying to produce and i was talking with the director and um it's a very slow and painful process mm -hmm. trying to find money because the reality of it is is finding just some person who's willing to invest a million or two million dollars into your project right it's uh you might find it mm -hmm. right that was always a unicorn but being able to recoup money for them is near impossible. There used to be these things called MGs, minimum guarantees. They're mm -hmm. basically advances, right? They do this with bands all the time. So when you would sell a film to, uh, let's just pick a random studio, you know, Warner Brothers, they would give you an MG of a million bucks, let's say. Mm -hmm. And you would make re additional residuals after you had made that million bucks they've already advanced you, right? After mm -hmm. all the splits. Yeah. Nowadays, even small, tiny little like studios uh, and distributors are giving you like 20 KMGs, 5 KMGs. It's like it's almost not even worth taking at that point, right. you know. Uh, right. And so it's so much more difficult. So it's wherein, again, 
sort of what we were talking about at the beginning, we're using the new technologies, in this case, the platforms mm-hmm. to get content out, you know, like a Quibi or a, um, you know, uh, what's a, what's the HBO max and Freeform and all those streaming services, Netflix, obviously. Yep. We're, it's like, there's a shift now to try to get your film set up somewhere where it already has a home, you know, it will be seen to some degree. Right. And you know what you're making it for. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's almost like, you know, your budget first, and then you've got to adapt your vision to that budget so that at least you break even. Yeah. And how often does that happen? I mean, you know, if you've got a good producer every time, but (laughs) you know, if you've got a bad one, then it's just tough. And if you're just an, you know, an indie artist, right. It's a lot, it's a lot harder. I would almost recommend for people if they really want to get their start in film and they want to make their own thing, try to make a film for like 50 K and then sell it yourself. Yeah. Because you're not going to sell, you're probably not going to sell a 50K to anyone who's going to believe in it, unless it's just one of those Blair Witch projects, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you could potentially do your own self marketing and your own self publicizing, and you could use apps like Slasher app to speak to a community. You can go do the, the, the festivals when they open up again, and you might actually have a better chance of building a reputation a proper reputation based on your art than if you're just another title on Amazon prime that has no stars in it. So everyone passes right by and maybe you got a decent write up, but it's not enough for it to stick in people's brain and then it just gets forgotten. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's one of those reasons why like as an, as someone who works in the art field, why I really like you guys' app and why I've been wanting to have you on is because it's really cool to see you elevating the entire platform, you know, not just creating an app for people to be on, but like it feels to me that you sincerely want the entire community to be elevated, including the artist. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's kind of why we're all here. You know, we're all into the same stuff. Um, and, and we all want the same basic things out of life. But when it, when it comes to the genre that we're so passionate about. Um, you know, we want to celebrate it in every way that we possibly can, which is why we collect stuff, which is why we go to the conventions, which is why we're always on the lookout for new and interesting things that cater to that. And, and by putting the artists in front of the fans and, and having the fans see the artists, it's really a good situation because then everybody can win, you know, um, the artist can 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 be recognized for for what they do, and and hopefully you know make a, a bit of a living at it, and the fans can enjoy the the work and whatever they're making or, or whatever they're selling or whatever. Um, so that way, it's it's really a nice situation where everybody's having a good time, being happy, doing what they do. Um, I think that's really really important because it. You know, it doesn't have to be just about, you know, Joe Artist advertising his crap left, right, up, down, and sideways. It, it, it's just a matter of, you know, they post their stuff. People are like, oh, that's really cool. You know, where do I get this or whatever? Do you sell these or something like that? It all starts with a simple conversation and just somebody showing up. It's really all it is. Well, and, and, and also you providing the, the space, which is yeah. rare. Like I said, it's, 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 it is an anomaly to have 
a, a, a space available for people of any community that seems to be, at least thus far, mostly free of drama, which is so nice. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes <laughs> to sort of keep it that way. Uh, yeah. and, and feel free to expand upon that as you want. But like, at least I know that I always feel I can go through, I can scroll through, I can see people's stuff, you know, and it's just chill. It's just cool. I, I you know, again, I'm sure you do a lot of, a lot of housekeeping, but it's appreciated. No, that's, that's great. And, and I'm really thankful for, for everybody who's, you know, on board with that and who's been helping and, you know, just, just being cool in general. I mean, it's, it's really been nice to, to have everyone who's just been so awesome to one another. That's really what we need. And I think so many of the problems in the world would be solved if people just were cool to one another. That's really, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's also, it's tough because, um, you know, with, again, at the risk of sounding like, like, you know, an old guy, <laughs> when we're so divided with technology, yeah. you know, it, it, it emboldens people to sort of speak in a way and talk to one another in a way that they probably wouldn't face to face. And I'm not, and not just from the perspective of like, you're going to get beat up if you say the wrong thing. Although that's, that's part of it as well. I, I don't even think that's, uh, that's, I think that's actually a pretty important part of the growing up process. But, um, but, but even just like, it's hard to be mean to someone that you're looking into their eyes. You know, it's hard yeah. to be that level of asshole. I mean, it can happen if you're yeah. enraged enough, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's a lot rarer. You know, even when we see people misbehaving badly, oftentimes we just, we make the decision. Like you're, like I was in the grocery store the other day and there was someone screaming and kind of carrying on and you make the, you make the judgment call, right? <laughs> you make the judgment call as to whether or not to jump in or not. If it's worth jumping in, you will. Right. And if it doesn't involve you, you just stay in line to, to cash out your chickpeas or whatever you're buying. <laughs> my daily shopping list. Right. But like, but like if I, but if you see that online, there's just yeah. like this urge to jump into it, even though you wouldn't in real life. Right. And so uh, you're right. Just be cool to one another. It, it makes a huge difference. It's, and, it's very easy to take the, the humanity out of, you know, what appears to be just a cold screen with, you know, robotic responses coming back. You know, I, I can understand that, but, at the same time, we, we just need to realize, look, would we want somebody acting that way towards us? Well, I wouldn't. Right. So I'm not going to be that way towards somebody else. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, no, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, we, we just need to take a step back and think and just say, okay, I wouldn't want somebody talking, talking to me that way. I wouldn't want somebody talking to my mother that way. I wouldn't want somebody talking to like, you know, my, my family that way, you know, anything like that. If if that's not something you want, just don't do it again. Just take a step back and just put everything into perspective because once you have perspective on everything, things get a lot, you know, a lot more easy. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So how much, how much work would you say, like, is, is this app the, your full-time job? Is it something that you're doing on the side? Like, do you ever sleep? Like how much goes into getting it from where it started to where it is one year later? Um, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sleep is, I, I, I get sleep and that's about it. Um, I'm pretty much working on this almost every waking moment that I can. I will take a break to eat and not have my computer in front of me. Um, 
you know, sometimes right before I'm going to go to bed, I'll play a video game or watch TV or a little for a little bit just to kind of clear my head, you know, so that yeah. way I can actually get a decent night's sleep. But no, there, there's a shit ton of work. I, I still have another business which actually pays the bills and I work on that far less than I work on this. <laughs> so that, that always ends up being the way it happens, right? The hobbies become more work than the job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, uh, basically I'm doing whatever it takes to, to make this happen and to get it done. And it, it takes a lot and I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you any different because it's true, but there's a lot that goes into this kind of thing. Um, and it's, it's not necessarily just a, you know, Hey, I wrote a business plan kind of a thing. It's no, there's a lot more that goes into it because you, you have to, you, you have to treat it like, you know, like you have a child, you know, your child is born. You don't just like put it down and expect it to start walking around and feeding itself and you know, whatever. Um, you have to nurture it and, and take care of it. So that way it can grow up to be a, a good, healthy, responsible adult. Well, um, I think, I think thus far, the slasher app, the slasher app is, is a very responsible adult uh, to use your analogy. And it's a really cool place. And, you know, from going from a, a, a essentially a shared calendar of events to an app with all the functions that it has now is, is really impressive and, and appreciated. Thank you. I certainly appreciate that. That really does mean so much to me. Um, you know, seeing people have fun, enjoy themselves, um, knowing people that are, you know, able to get their work out there and sell it. You know, I've had numerous authors tell me that they're actually selling their work, which is fantastic. You know, podcasters have found, you know, a, a larger audience. Um, you know, I do get messages like that. And I'm really, really glad. I'm really glad to hear those kinds of things. I want to see everybody succeed. It's important. And there's really no reason why everyone can't. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's just a matter of, of, of work. And the more we support one another, um, the easier it is to, to be successful in everything that we do. Um, really, it's... It, it doesn't take much to to lend someone a hand because sometimes all it is is just, you know, retweet or, or share a post or something like that. And that could change somebody's entire life. Mm -hmm. It really can. And it takes not even a minute to do that. So, you know, a little bit can go a long way. And I'm really working hard to to offer a hell of a lot more than that especially in the coming months. Um, so hopefully it will work out that way and, and offer everyone much more of a helping hand in, in raising them up and bringing this whole community closer together. That's awesome. I mean, uh, you, some of these might be surprises, but kind of let everyone know what they can expect. If for, for people who aren't on the app already, mm -hmm. um, let let some of the audience know like what they would expect if when when they join the slasher app and maybe what they can expect it's one year you just hit your one year anniversary you yeah. mentioned that there's some new features and functions and and applications coming down the pipeline like what can they expect now and what can they be looking forward towards so 
the 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 post that I put up today is is actually kind of a big deal to me. Um, basically, would put horror news uh, and related types of things right in front of you, so that way you don't have to necessarily go looking for it. You know, you'll be able to get notified if you know a certain publication puts out a new article that you might be into. You know, maybe they're talking about something about I don't know the the new Candyman movie release date changed or, or there's a new tidbit on it or there's a new, you know, actor signed in that they didn't talk about before. Um, you'll be able to find all these things really, really soon. So I think that's going to be a really important part of the whole thing in making this, you know, a stronger community Right. is, is just the exchange of information. Um, and you know, everyone will be able to talk about it and, and do their thing and really kind of, engage the publishers uh, a bit more. And I think that would be useful for them as well, because they'll be able to see what people are interested in, what they care about and what they don't care about. Um, it would be an invaluable tool in determining like, you know, maybe there are certain directions to take or not. Um, so I, I could see how everyone could really benefit from something like that. Absolutely. I mean, it really ties everyone in together and is able to keep them, you know, up to date with the stuff that they love and they're passionate about. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and when it comes to stuff like this, there's, there's always something to talk about. And yeah, a lot of places, you know, publish the same press releases and things like that. And that's fine. Sometimes not everybody reads the same, uh, you know, goes to the same websites or reads the same magazines or anything. So having it in different places is a good thing. Um, but now we're going to be able to put that a little bit more together and make it even easier. So, you know, hopefully we'll be able to have people like, um, like dread central and bloody disgusting on board and stuff like that. Um, you know, and, and, and some of the, you know, the people who aren't necessarily going to check out the site all the time when there's something that they might be interested in. Well, this is a way to get to them much faster and more efficiently. Absolutely. It sounds amazing so far. Have you yeah. seen, uh, uh, I mean, just based on the, the number of, you know, follower requests I get daily, mm -hmm. which is, you know, like I would, it seems to me like it's growing pretty rapidly. Yeah, thankfully it is. Um, and, and with the, the latest round of press releases that were out there and, some of the articles that have been written recently, um, you know, especially around the, the one year anniversary and all that stuff. It, it definitely helps. It definitely helps. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm trying to stay as relevant as possible, but you know, me personally, I'm not the kind of person that likes to go around like banging my own drum, you know, um, I'm, I'm relatively, you know, low key and, I tend not to be like really boisterous or anything like that. So this is kind of like new to me to, to sort of try and get over that and let people know what's going on because I know it will ultimately benefit everybody. But, you know, it, I, I just feel like unless I have something really useful and important to say, I, I just don't put stuff out there. And, you know, there's other people who will, you know, if they, had an itch in their nose they'll have a fucking press release about it you know <laughs> yeah yeah i see again it's it's so many about so many people out there who are really trying to to build clout 
digital digital right. cow. And I don't know what the value of that is. Whereas, you know, uh, this is an actual real commodity that has value. And I can see growing, you know, beyond just the interconnectivity. Um, like we mentioned, like there's a, a dating site aspect to it, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys have had it yet, but I'm sure at some point you're going to probably have your first slasher wedding based on people <laughs> who met on your app That'd you know? really cool. or, or just people connecting and being friends, you know, across the country or, or the world mm -hmm. because, you know, they, they got interested in, you know, similar posts and, and they've connected that way. And it's like, it's a little bit more intimate than say like Instagram where it's just like, it's a variety of stuff, you know, right. It's a little more concentrated in this. And, um, you know, it could be a brand I could easily see it becoming something that grows, that continues to grow as a brand itself and expand to encompass more and more aspects of the horror community and bringing it together. Yeah. I mean, that's really the goal is, is just sort of providing a place for people where everyone can just do their thing, be aware of what's going on and not have to really spend ridiculous amounts of time trying to find what they like. Um, and, and the same goes for all the artists and creators out there. You know, it's, it's, it, it doesn't need to be as difficult as it is to market your work and, and to, to try and, and get in front of people and, and gain, uh, gain a following. I think it could, it could and should be a lot easier than it is. Absolutely. Um, and we, we talked about the, the punk rock scene and the so the music scene earlier. Mm -hmm. So much of growing up in that was sticking around to watch the other bands play. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like like you said, you you really hit the nail on the head with that. When when you played a show at a club, you stuck around to see the other bands. You all supported one another, and it, it meant you know, that there were more people in the room, everyone's crowd was there and generally saw everyone else. And it was just like, you know, there are power in numbers and, and people get further when, when you have that kind of situation going on. And it's really kind of coming down to that is okay. Well, just, you know, some, somebody's doing something. Yeah. Give them a shout out, you know, stay for the show. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think that stuff is, is really, really beneficial. And I am actually trying to bring some of those old school ideas into this. I mean, the first version of the app, as terrible as it was, was really just, you know, me trying to see if I could break some of the modern conventions of, of what social media is. And you know, just experimenting with it, see, you know, throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. The first version was totally an experiment to, to do that. Um, and it, it was, it was both a tremendous failure and a success in that, you know, people really didn't like it. They didn't like the, the old, um, ideas of doing things, but what I learned from all that stuff and the feedback that I got was really, really tremendous. There was so much good feedback that came out of that, that, um, you know, I'm, I'm still applying a bunch of it today. So it's really been massive and it's, it's been so great that people voice their opinions in, in constructive and useful ways because just because they want to see something that they can enjoy 
because they will ultimately benefit by it and they realize that and that's totally cool. So I'm happy to to put new features or or whatever that people suggest that are going to help and and just make it better or more fun for all of us because that's really what it's about is just just enjoying ourselves. Um and and the more ways I'm able to make that happen then great then the more people are going to be able to enjoy it um so that's yeah i, I think that that kind of idea and, and holding on to those ultimate ideals are really fantastic well it's it's super refreshing to hear it's something that i feel like should really be more prevalent in all scenes and I really again can't appreciate you enough for all your efforts i can't even imagine the level of work that goes into this and <laughs> the fact that you're willing to listen, that you're willing to adapt, you're willing to change when things aren't working. And like you said, at the end of the day, this is all about being about having fun, right? Yeah. We yeah. have our, we have our day jobs that we can just make money and come home and veg out and be a lot less stressed. But yep. we, but these, these sort of additional things, these additional projects and, and passions, they take a lot of work. And we ultimately oftentimes only do them because they're fun. So I applaud that you're willing to keep making those adjustments to keep it fun for you because the whole community as a whole will benefit for that. Well, I, I hope so. <laughs> that's, that's really my biggest goal is, is that, you know, it's, it's something that we can all just benefit from, enjoy, and, uh, you know, make life a lot more tolerable um, for, for having this kind of space that, that we can all just do our thing and, um, you know, be happier for it. But yeah. Well, super awesome. I definitely would like to recommend and urge everyone if you're even remotely interested in horror and maybe not even just horror. I mean, other movies too, dark movies in general, um, music as well, podcasts, writings, news, go download the, the slasher app. Uh, it is super cool. It's, it's a very nice, clean app. It really will connect you with a different type of people, especially if you are aching to be a part of some larger community without the normal dramas that tend to come along with it. I, I can't recommend the Slasher app enough. I think you've done an amazing job. Thank you once again for coming on and spending a few minutes. I know it's not like you're in your nature to sort of step out from behind the, <laughs> the coding, but, um, <laughs> I think everything that you've said is super insightful. And if for no other reason, like good dudes like you should be supported just in the same way that you're supporting the artists that are trying to make our living, putting out entertainment for people. So thank you again. Thanks for coming on. Um, I hope that everyone goes and checks out the app and, and signs up for it and, and enjoys it as much as I've been. Thanks, Dave. I really, really appreciate it. And it's, it's been fun chatting with you. And, um, you know, I, I love having you on the app and, and all the support that you've provided as well. So thank you. We'll have to schedule a game of Friday the 13th at some point. Definitely. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate the time. I'm sure you've got tons to get back to. Uh, it's, it's evening time, so hopefully you can eat and rest some. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Thanks so much, Damon. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, man. Take care. Questions from the 
Lady Winters asks, there's different genres within horror. What are you most finding yourself more interested in? So it kind of varies. Um, I, I would say probably there's two main um, stylings of, of horror that I tend to get really interested in these days. Um, one is sort of that uh, A24, um, like The Witch or uh, ha- uh, Gretel and Hansel, or there's these really world-building, sort of rooted in occultism type horror. A Dark Song would be another one that I really like. These are movies that just create a world that is supernatural to us and does it in a way that makes it still feel somewhat rooted in um, some kind of history. And then, of course, adds in this stylized horror aspect to it. Uh, The other ones that I'm really drawn towards are ones that are, um, you know, like the the what I call like the Jordan Peele type movies, right? The uh, the Get Out or Us, or if you flip over to uh, the most recent, The Invisible Man. Just because I, I've, I've as I've often said on the show, I just think that horror is in such a great position to hold a mirror up to society, and. Uh, you know, translate ideas so that we can all experience them together and, and acknowledge that we experience in them. In the same way that the the slasher movies of the 80s were satirical about Reaganistic morality, I think right now when we're living in a Trump era America, horror movies are the are cinematic punk rock. So those those are the two that tend to to grab my attention. And then I just like weird. You know, I love Tusk. I really do. That's not a gag. That movie's cool. Mandy's cool. Like, the weirder, the better. Because, again, it's a genre that has such opportunities to be explored artistically. It's it's just, it's infinite material to draw from. From real-life serial killers to supernatural demons to H.P. Lovecraft, uh, you know, to the, the classic, you know, literature monsters, Dracula, Frankenstein. Uh, endless possibilities. Not to mention the best antagonist of all time, Satan. So um, those two kind of genres of movies, I feel like are, are, are really pushing the envelope as far as what horror can be. Sam V. Blair asks, if they remade The Shining, who would you cast in the movie? That's a good question, Sam. Um, because A, my first initial reaction is just to say they should never remake The Shining. But they've already done it. And it was, well, actually kind of proves my point. But um, and and really, even Doctor Sleep, which is a sequel, not only brings us back to the Overlook Hotel, but shoots some scenes that were actually in the original book that didn't make it into Stanley Kubrick's vision of the story. So, in some ways, you could almost look at uh, Ewan McGregor as sort of recasting the Jack Torrance character of sorts. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this at face value. And I'm, if if studio puts a gun to my head and says we're gonna remake The Shining one way or another, you can either be involved or we're gonna go with like M Night Shyamalan and Zack Snyder or something like that. So I'm gonna go really weird because I just think you should leave the Stanley Kubrick vision alone and you should chart some new territory. So in the Jack Torrance character, I'm gonna go with. Uh, Michael Pitt. Now, you might know Michael Pitt from Murder by Numbers. He was also in a movie called The Dreamers. Um, He was in, I believe he was in the Ghost in the Shell movie. 
um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. The list goes on and on. He's got a very sort of eerie look about him. And he's got these like really cold blue eyes. And it would give a different vibe to Jack Torrance. Whereas Jack Nicholson, he already looks like he's a little unhinged. With Michael Pitt playing this, it would feel more menacing, very cold. Eyes of a killer. And for Shirley Duvall's replacement, if you can replace her, let's go with Jennifer Love Hewitt. What's she been doing lately? She of I Know What You Did Last Summer. She's great. And I think she has the ability to, to play that, you know, absolutely frightened uh, performance and can also, you know, kind of give a, 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 a some some royalty to horror that people of my generation grew up with. So let's go with them to start with. And then uh, for the creepy bartender, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Clancy Brown. He's still around. Shave his head. Looked cool as the, as the Kurgan. So that's my that's my top three. There's all kinds of ways you can go. But I think modernizing it a little bit would be useful. I think uh, implementing some current technology into it. You know, if you're going to redo something and it's already been done perfectly, then just take it in a completely different, weird direction and, and you know, hope for the best. So that's kind of what I would go with it. Something a little, a little younger, a little creepier. And maybe a little bit more stylized. Thanks. That's a great question, Sam. And I guess that does it for this new chapter, episode 75 of the Grindhouse podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And it's a real honor for me to do this with you guys every week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next week, adios. You're listening to the Grindhouse podcast on the Slash and Burn Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. 